and welcome to Getting to Know ACS with Tracy and Jasmine. So today we have special guests, Mr. Ronnie Bradley. He is our Family Advocacy Program Manager. So Ronnie, you want to, before we get started, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I. Uh, you probably pick up a little bit of an accent. I'm from North Carolina, uh, the mountains near the Tennessee border. Okay. Born and raised, so that uh, accent stayed with me all these years of <laughs> Navy life. And then uh, uh, spent the last five or six years prior to Fort Bliss in Quantico, Virginia. Oh, okay. And so we moved here last summer as a family and excited to be here and the experiences here we're, we're having now. So this is quite different than Quantico, I'm sure. It's very different. Okay. <laughs> But, not, but in a good way. Yeah, it's just, it's just different. Yes. So today we're going to talk about child abuse. We're going It's a serious subject. Um, right. So we're going to talk about child abuse because April is Child Abuse Awareness Month, along with the month of the military child as well. So what we want to talk about is just what are some signs of child abuse? What are some things that people can look for? You know, and, and what really defines what child abuse and child neglect is? So. Right. If you want to go ahead and give us a little info? Sure. I have quite a, quite a bit of info I can give okay. on this. I, I, I like the question you ask about what is child abuse. I think, uh, you know, there are four types. First okay. of all, you have physical, sexual, emotional, and neglect. And typically, most people are pretty quick. We, we pick up real easy on the physical, emotional, sexual. Right. Neglect becomes the one that sometimes a little harder to recognize or... or um, intervene or, or realize that we need to help. Oh, okay. All right. And so that's the one I like to spend a lot of time. Usually when I, when I do briefs, I like to ask a question. If you had to pick between those four, which form of abuse causes the most deaths? And you let that sit for a minute. Causes the most the death? Most deaths in children. Oh, yes. okay. Which one? What would you think, Jasmine? Uh, I'm, Cool. I uh, mean, I would would say I didn't get it right the first time I did it either. It's okay. <laughs> Is it? I would say emotional. Emotional would cause the most Eventually. Well, like um, right then and there, though. Abuse. Or just I would over go with time. The, the physical, for sure. Yeah, okay. So. We'll let, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just right off the top of my head, I would think physical. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what most, you know, go to the emotional, physical, because, you know, you think long-term, right, like you right. were doing jazz. Right. Uh, neglect is actually the one that causes the most deaths in children. Oh. And there's And there's reasons for that, right? And the first is it's less likely to be responded to urgently. Oh. Uh, you know, it's more likely to be assessed as low risk. And even multidisciplinary professionals like myself, law enforcement, CPS, we don't always recognize uh, the signs or or something I've worked really hard the past few years, especially working in family advocacy and domestic violence, child abuse, is how I phrase things, how I say things, because it matters. Right. So saying things like, you know, it was only a couple minutes. Uh, you know, leave, if you've had children, you know, leaving a two, three-year-old for a couple yeah. minutes. That could right? be an hour. Uh, <laughs> I remember my, my kids are teenagers now, a lot right. older, uh, graduating high school, that type of uh, setting now with our family. <laughs> but when they were younger, when they got quiet, we were always worried about where were they? What are they doing, right? Exactly. Because they didn't, they didn't usually jive with what was going on <laughs> at the time. Yeah. And so that's the same way now. So we... We tend to sometimes see it or we think about our own experiences, mm -hmm. uh, you know, things I've been guilty of saying, well, I did that when I grew up. So what's the big deal? Right. right, right. And not really think much about, you know, we've learned a lot. We've learned a lot since, you know, it's a long time ago. Right. Because we've learned a lot 
and the things that not that my parents were bad parents or anything like that. We're not saying that, but we've learned a lot through just trial and error and, and time, right? That some things are, are maybe not as safe for little children to be around or exposed to or do without parental supervision. So that's the one where, where we tend to try to do more educating on trying right. to help families and caretakers see that uh, and that concern. Uh, it's not a tell us when they're a bad parent either. Right, uh, exactly. Things happen quickly with children. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're also not trying to, to do that. It's more about education and what can we do to prevent something uh, to, to help either prevent a really bad outcome of injury or possible death. Right. And that's, and that's really uh, what we've learned the past yeah, a few years now with with child abuse is neglect is the one that tends to go kind of under the radar and okay. not be seen. So when you talk about neglect, what are some types of neglect? Because, you know, there's a wide range. Yeah. So what I might think is neglect may not someone else may not think is right, neglect. Right, so right. what are some of the signs of neglect or what would be categorized as neglect? So I've got a list I'll read off for you. Okay. some of those. And then, uh, and then I'm actually going to focus on a couple at the end of the list that I think are important for okay. today's conversation. Sounds uh, good. To focus on more because some of these are a little easier to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got it. Right. Right. Uh, medical uh, supervision, safety, which we talked a little bit about already. But right. we'll, we'll circle back to that in a minute. Education, uh, dental, nutrition. Yes. Uh, parental yeah. drug exposure. Things, okay. uh, things like that the parents may may struggle with. Uh, shelter, home, so having a place to live or a safe place to live. Right. Hygiene, clothing. Uh, one that that's missed or we've we honed in more li- lately also is this nurture and affection. So showing love and attention to children. It's actually gotten a lot of attention the past couple of years with the pandemic. Right. Uh, because of the mask and, and children kind of learning those social cues and other things and getting that nurturance and attention and being able to see that uh, it's gotten a little more attention uh, okay. the past couple of years. And then the other is exposure to violent environments. So being in a home where domestic violence or those types of things are taking place uh, is another really concerning. So those last two are the two that, that, that I think uh, are a little harder sometimes to see or right. recognize or recognize uh, the impact that those may have on, on the children. And and I like, like I said, like to talk a little bit about that. Nurturing obviously is important. Right. You spend that time. There's a really cool video. You can go online, YouTube. Uh, you can type in still face experiment. Still face. Still face experiment. Okay. And it'll pull up a video of an experiment where you'll see parents sitting there with their children. Uh, most of them are younger, toddler age, and not quite able to fully verbally communicate. Right. And you see interactions happening with the parent where they're playing with each other. Uh, some fun times, usually playing the game, throw the toy on the ground and laugh about it because the parent has to pick it up or they're making faces or funny noises. Right. And the parents laughing and having a good time. And you'll hear them tell them in their ear, okay, we want you to uh, spin around your chair. They're in chairs kind of like I'm in now, right? To spin around <laughs> spin and, and become still face. So when you turn back, and, and you start interacting with the kids to stay still face, don't interact. And you oh. see it doesn't take long for the children to become agitated, to start doing all the behaviors that we as parents don't want our kids to do. Throwing, right. biting, screaming, scratching, all those because they, they were needing that attention. So and negative attention is better than no attention right. at all. So, so, they, so yeah. then you see it pretty quick, the, the experiment. They don't let them stay too long in that way. So right. they turn back around, turn back, calm oh. the child down, play. And you see the kid quickly goes back to... 
that kind of happy, calm state again. And so you see that need for some of that and, and that. So it's a good good one to go watch and kind of see and understand. Okay. There's lots more out there, but that's that's one I like to reference when I, I talk about it. Okay. The other uh, exposure to violent environments. Uh, the one thing I learned uh, a few years ago now in, in doing this work is children that are exposed to domestic violence in the home are at higher risk of mental health issues and concerns than children who are the direct recipients of abuse. So oh, if they wow. were the recipients of that physical, sexual, emotional and stuff, neglect we talk about, the children actually in a home where domestic violence is happening um, in that environment are have higher outcomes later in life of mental health issues oh, and concerns. Okay. And so that was something that, that really kind of stood out to me when we're talking about right. this neglect, types of neglect, and recognizing some of these things that you were asking about earlier and how we can help prevent this stuff. Okay, because I, I find that interesting too with the um, whole being exposed because it's almost like with emotional abuse, you know, where they say that physical abuse, those wounds heal Mm-hmm. But emotional abuse, you don't ever know if that's going to heal or not, because that's something that gets put into your psyche, yes. you know. Yeah. And so one of the reasons, I guess, because of that, um, we're here if there's a domestic violence situation and then they find out that children are in the home, then it automatically becomes that it has to be reported yes. because the children are in the home. Yes, it has to be reported for for those reasons. Uh, you know, and, and I, I do want to take a second. Uh, yes. FAP tends to sometimes be a, a a dirty word or it feels it feels it, it does feel a little uh, invasive and right. because people are calling and they're asking questions. And and I, and I and I hope that those that are listening to us talk today understand that that's not really our role. Right. FAP. That's CPS, law enforcement, they're the investigative. They're the ones that have to figure out if there's something there more concerning. Our role is to help educate, teach, give tools to exactly. families, which we'll talk a little bit about uh, here towards the end as we wrap up some of these things we're talking about, some of the ways we can do that. Okay. Uh, but I, I think that's something important to kind of point out, too, is I don't, I, I always want to be careful, make sure people understand that we're here to help you, not, um, uh, you know, and sometimes, unfortunately, things do happen where there are consequences tied to that that right. we can't undo. Uh, but typically, that's not the case. Typically, it's more about, hey, this thing happened. Let's help you. Let's get some education, some support around that situation um, to make things uh, better moving forward. So those things you talked about, those outcomes don't right. happen, especially as we get older. As adults, this stuff impacts us too. Right, this kind of cycle that happens that we can, and if we can intervene earlier and get some things in place, we can we can change. And there is hope, and that's, right. I think that's the message that's important: is we can uh, make a difference and change right. that stuff. Yeah. And I think one thing that you pointed out earlier was, you know, how our parents, you know, not saying our parents were bad or anything, but they treated us certain kind of ways. We got punished different than how our children got punished. And of course, how their children are getting punished. So I think it comes down to, you know, you do better when you know better. So Mm -hmm. I think as we have gone through, we're realizing, you know, as a society that these certain behaviors are not good on outcomes. So like you were saying with FAP, our purpose is to help you know better, yeah. you know, to give you those tools. Yeah, to have more tools in yeah, the toolbox. Yeah, in that toolbox. So yes. that we, you know, it's like, well, what do I do with them? It's yeah. like, you know, so. And with our parents, too, I feel like kids are now more educated today. For instance, my child is all about 
mental health she's like mm-hmm. okay well what about this because this is not good for your mental health and i'm like how do you know that right youtube right they so have more access yeah. to things than we did so right? they can see like hey like when i have a stressful day and i maybe snap a little bit as far as like just go do your homework she's like well you shouldn't yell at me because it hurts my feelings <laughs> when right. whatever whatever and i'm just like you can't say that to me like what and I'm then the i have to take a step back and i'm just like oh well maybe i shouldn't have yelled at you and you know seeing that apologizing is not bad like apologizing to your child right is not like weakness i guess right because i, I don't think we ever got that yeah we didn't apologize we were, right like but now it's almost like hey i'm sorry that i lashed out mm-hmm. it was because you know work was stressful or something. and i think that goes to what you were saying about the nurturing mm-hmm. portion to where we can be more human with our kids yeah you know not to feel like Okay, if I if I apologize and you're gonna look at me as being a weak parent right, and that you right. can get over on me, you know. So Yeah. Yeah, I think that's important. I think that uh being that example, uh, you know, there's still you probably at some point you probably ask about that homework numerous times, right? <laughs> <laughs> as, as a father, I understand what uh, I think, you know, and we can still have that conversation. Well, here's Maybe why that happened. Right. Right. I do need. Yeah, you're right. I, I can I could probably respond a little different or find a better way. But, you know, also that's part of what we're talking about now is tools. Well, we get to that point of feeling that. Right. Right. Uh, where we might respond in a way that might be negative or or have some really negative consequences, mm-hmm. depending on how we respond. Uh then we're able to have other tools, a way to manage, right. manage right. that, you know, right. I, I can share lots of stories. I'm sure we all can right. about those learning experiences or things like that. I think that's, that's the key to what we're talking about. Yeah. Okay. Recognizing that, but you definitely, it's okay to, to do that. I do it all the time with, with, with my boys as they're old, you know, older now. It's like, you know, I, I got a little frustrated. Yes. I probably shouldn't have right. responded that way. You know, and my wife will say all the time, you do this stuff for a living, but I'm the first one to open mouth and start right? <laughs> uh, because we go back to those ways and we have emotions and other things that that we always constantly are working on. Right. We're not always perfect. And right, that's right. okay. Yeah. Right. And I think that's the, the piece too to recognize it's okay not to be perfect in every moment, but recognize maybe when it's a, a learning experience or we can teach and and help especially if there's something I've struggled with right. and how I respond to certain things. Right. My children respond hopefully a little better. Right. And that's the importance of, you know, if you find that you're struggling with certain things, I think, what you were saying earlier about FAP, family advocacy, you know, that's one of the things that we do is, you know, we have those parenting classes. Mm -hmm. We have those communication classes, um, the anger class. So you can figure out what your triggers are Mm -hmm. because, you know, maybe homework is a trigger for you because you got reprimanded for not doing your homework as a child, you know, so that might be really important. But I think, you know, again, to let people know that we're here as helpers, right. mm-hmm. you know, we're not here to judge. It's, it's a, fr- a free judgment. We're not going to say, well, you shouldn't be doing that to your kids because right. maybe that's how you grew up. And right. that's the only thing that you know. So, right. Okay. So what else do you have for us? So, so, and speaking on some of that, I think it's segwayed two things we can talk about. Okay. One quickly, I want to touch on, and Jazzy kind of brought this up too with your daughter yeah. with, the, with the with more information, right? right. Mm-hmm. They have access to things and more information than than I ever would have dreamed imaginable when right. I was there. Right, exactly. I, mean, we, I could pull my phone out and we can do whatever and look at whatever we want to look at at any time. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of studies now around this as well as part of some of that neglect, abuse, child abuse, physical, emotional, and 
and and they found that that this electronic distractions, gaming, however you right. want to term it, has led to increased uh, child abuse and neglect. And so it's something else, too, to be aware of. Mm -hmm. um, one, how's that impacting us? I can tell you lots of stories where we think this little screen in front of us and I can see the child in front of me mm -hmm. and everything's OK and safe. And and we're really we're we're not as aware as we think we are. Right. And things happen uh, all the way to children having those things and certain issues or whatever coming from that that we think as parents all they're not going to have access to or get. And so uh, it's a wonderful blessing to have but right. could also be something that we have to be mindful of but we're seeing it we've seen it increase the past 10 years right. um especially with that gaming side of kind of the emotions tied to that you get into your game you're right and, and bad outcomes where children needed uh some of that nurture or attention or whatever it was in those moments and and things happen uh, and so so that's one we definitely are learning a lot more about right is is, is we're always going to be behind the curve because technology is changing so fast yeah. every day. And once we get something um, figured out, it's something new. Yeah. So I think it's something we'll always be trying to catch up with. Right. But trying to be mindful of that and even myself and how I'm using that or how that might be impacting me or, or my children. Right. Uh, I think it's um, interesting, too, with that, how now you notice kids, you know, two years old, how do we enter, you know, if they're crying, what do we do here? Take the phone. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then they start playing, you know, where they can operate the tablets and the smartphones better than mm -hmm. I can at my age, which I'm right. not going to say. Right. So, but you know how that becomes almost like a babysitter mm -hmm. that technology and then you don't have that human interaction where mm -hmm. kids aren't knowing you know how to social socialize right. with other people besides you know on the phone it's like we're sitting at the table and everybody's texting each other yeah. instead of talking yeah. so you know it's like okay <laughs> and what's going on they don't even talk on the phone they text i saw a documentary stating like how what they're building now is addicting right so looking at my daughter playing let's say roblox um I had noticed her behavior was going a little like kind of like rude, disrespectful. Mm -hmm. So I took it away and it was almost like she was coming off a drug. Right. So then I kind of put that into perspective because I've heard stories where people would be in the middle of a game and react almost mm -hmm. violently because, you took it. because their yes. child is being disruptive, I guess. Right. Um, and it almost made sense because if you think about a drug addict, if you take their drug, now they become violent. Right. And I'm like, is this the same thing? Because it, it is, it, it, and I'm not to get too far off on the weeds, but it does impact the same parts of the brain, uh, you know, cause those same uh, yeah, like with dopamine yeah. uh, reactions when they're playing the games, they get that kind of flood of feeling good mm -hmm. or whatever right. it is. And so those things do happen. And I think that the balance for us now is, um, recognizing that, you know, everything's electronic now. Right. There's, there's nothing my children do at school that's paper anymore. Everything, right. they have computers. Yeah, they, they don't even know how to sign their name. No. And so everything is electronic. So mm -hmm. there's a balance between learning the world around us now with this electronics mm -hmm. and yeah. being able to kind of unplug from that or do those other things we need as well mm -hmm. uh, 
uh, as as adults as well as children yes, exactly. to be able to to be healthy for lack of a better word right okay, okay. so go on to your next um so, I, I just like that you're just going with the flow so yeah. well, I, I don't have to do a whole lot <laughs> so the other one that comes to mind is we were talking about this you talk about different tools and parenting right of, i know i grew up in a in a, in a a time where spanking was probably more prevalent or used more often. Right. Um, and, you know, that famous, I turned out just fine, right? I know, it's like, it didn't hurt me. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and I'll say that, you know, I, I knew when those times happened, I I knew I'd done wrong. I knew I was going to get it. <laughs> and, yeah, so, but we've done, we've also learned a lot over the years with that as well. So the one thing I, I try to make sure we're aware, people are aware of, especially within this military DOD environment, is there are certain things to deal these uh, labeled, there has to be some other pieces that go along with it, but they've labeled as acts of acts of abuse. Right? Okay. One of those is spanking your children. Right. On top of their clothes with an open hand on the buttock, right? <laughs> you start taking pants down or you start using a spoon or a belt or other things. It starts to change some of that. And so I tell people, we're not telling people that not, they, they can't discipline their children. Right. What I will say is you, you need to be aware of the state you're in because some states do have different laws. And that's uh, very important. That. Yes. Um, but the DOD calls it that, but there has to be what we call impact. There has to be some negative things come from that. Some, some marks or really significant emotional fear right. or things like that coming from the child before it becomes an issue. But because of how it's labeled that way, a lot of times we get the call, right? And usually it's little Johnny or Susie going to school and sharing some story of, of the only use the word, using the word spank, it's usually something like whooped or beat Be or something. Some, yeah, some really very sounding <laughs> yeah. word that the teachers have to report also because they're mandated reporters and it turns into something that feels really negative. Um, it is one that we we have lots of studies. The original study was done by Tulane mm -hmm. a few years ago, and it's been replicated numerous times since then. But what they found was was children that were spanked more than twice a month tended to uh, be more defiant and demanding. Okay, they tend to have more. Uh, tantrums more often. So they have more of those physical reactions to people and animals and other things. So all those things we don't want our children doing, the more often spanking was being used as a way of discipline, the more they saw those things happening. Uh, and then uh, they have more mental health concerns. Okay. And then the other thing they found is a lot, a lot of times, most of those children, if it was more than twice a month, right, that they, they found those children um, didn't have really a, a, a good understanding of why. Why they were getting this thing was happening. Okay. Right? So, so we're not saying this the situation for everybody. Right. But, but I think it's important that, that we recognize um, and see some of that. Uh, and we have other things in our toolbox. I've seen outcomes where as children get older, they tend to, to f get larger and want to fight back or push back or move around and more. Or, and then all of a sudden you have things happening that you didn't intend to happen. Uh, you know, you, uh, we tend to, well, I got to swing a little harder with the belt now because I got to get their attention or things we didn't intend, but now all of a sudden there are consequences. Right. It's those things we, we don't want to happen. So it's adding to that toolbox. It's, it's recognizing every child is different. Right. Um, how I discipline my oldest versus my youngest look different because they care about different things and they respond differently. We have different conversations about right. that stuff, right? And so, so recognizing that and having that those different things in my toolbox. As I got older, 
um, when it came time for those those spankings, mm-hmm. it was okay, do it. Get it over with because I can move on, right? <laughs> My mom got pretty smart to that pretty quick and figured out some other ways right. um, to, uh, to to handle that because she was like, oh, okay, yeah, you, you know, we got, we got to get you to understand. Um, so, so it was part of learning that as well right? Uh, and figuring that out. So I think that one of the things that you mentioned was reporting. So I think it's important that people realize that here in Texas, Everyone is a mandated reporter. Yes, that you're you're not. Most uh, states are that way. Yeah, so yes. so it, it doesn't matter whether you're a teacher or childcare because a lot of times people are under the impression that you have to be in some kind of caring position no. to be a mandated Neighbor, reporter. Yeah, whatever. If you know about it, so I just want to throw this out there real quick. If um, if someone suspects child abuse, then they can call the child abuse hotline number, which mm-hmm. is one eight hundred two five two. 5400 or they can report it online at texasabusehotline.org and with any of those uh, situations those scenarios you can either report anonymously where you don't give any information but if you do that and you want to report more then you're going to have to call back and make a whole nother mm-hmm. you know new report right. you can do it um where you actually give them your name and stuff, even though you're still going to be, you know, no one's going to know that you're the reporter. But that way, if the investigators have a question, they can call you. Um, and if it comes down to someone needs to see the report, they will redact it and take your name right. out, all that identification. And you get a confirmation to show that you report it because people can be uh, prosecuted for not reporting child yes, abuse. So, yes. And it can be either a misdemeanor or a felony, depending on how bad that is. And I just want to say on the hotline, if you go, I mean, yeah, if you go on to the um, online and report, they say don't, report, um, don't use that if it's a child under five or if they need immediate assistance within 24 hours or if it's sexual abuse, then you need to call in on that. Okay. So that was some stuff that I wanted to make sure we put out there. So we could go on and on about this subject because it's so, you know, it's very important and there's so many different layers Mm -hmm. to it. So, you know, as we're coming close to the end, I just want to open it up to you, Ronnie. And, for you to be able to tell us some things that you feel are important that we go, that we notice, you know, throughout the month of April, but also period, just living our lives daily. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that, that, uh, in closing and wrapping all this up, the ways we can help one is definitely changing maybe our thought process from that misbehavior to stress behavior. Oh, okay. I like that. So, uh, typically when our, our children, something happens, they're responding in a way we don't like, we start to see it as a misbehavior versus maybe they're responding to some type of stress or, um, you know, part of the education piece is understanding the development of the children. And even as a parent, our development stages as well. Right. And recognizing that the children up to certain ages can't think certain ways about things or the way we may think about it, or they may only be able to feel that emotion. Uh, and some of the things we talked about today could be impacting some of their ability to do some of that, or even us as adults. Right. And so recognizing that and going, okay, is this misbehavior or stress behavior? And taking a minute and and just kind of, all right, it's probably, it, it, most of the time, it's probably not a misbehavior. It is a stress behavior. They're responding to something in some way because it's something that they need or 
emotionally they're having a hard time with and and maybe there's still a consequence we don't remove consequences from things That's right not necessarily what we're talking about here mm-hmm. but how i respond to that's important and matters and sometimes i think when you say like stress behavior I think it's important to understand, too, that our kids feed off of our energy. So if we come in and we're stressed out, you know, and it's like, okay, I'm stressed. So whatever you're doing is going to stress me. So that's going to tick that child up even more, too, because they're going to probably try and match our energy Mm -hmm. versus when we come in calm. So I think that's very important. I'm glad that you mentioned that. Well, it's okay to take that minute, too. Right. You don't always have to. Obviously, there's some situations as a parent, you got to intervene quicker than others for safety (laughs) reasons, either for the child or for a sibling or whatever. Or the home. home. But but you can intervene and still take a minute after that to decide how else you're going to respond right in a healthier way so you know responding the right way if if i have a child that that they can only really respond that emotional way because they haven't developed that ability to think abstractly and really think through you know you think about why'd you do that? Cause, cause why? Cause I don't know. Right? <laughs> Especially younger that kids. Sounds so familiar. And it's because they don't have that ability yet. Right. Maybe to quite think through all that. And so we have to respond with, the, okay, they're angry right now. So how do I help them? I see that. How do I help them calm down? And then later have a conversation right. about why that was wrong or what. Instead, of in that moment, trying to. Um, same for us as adults. When in the world of ever, in the history of ever, someone using this term, you just need to calm down. Has it ever worked for us? Uh, right? That just usually you sends you over the top, high, yeah. right? Like, like I'm yeah. going to watch this. Calm down. Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> so it's the same. It's same kind of concept, except mm-hmm. we have the ability as adults to think through some of that and the consequences and and a little more abstract than maybe a child does. So right. it's recognizing that, um, changing that approach, changing maybe how I say things or, or do that. Yeah. Uh, building that what we call virtuous cycle. So realizing that maybe these things happened to me mm-hmm. and I was in certain environments and things that this was the way it was, but I can change my response. Right. Because now as I change my response, it lessens the likelihood that's going to continue to be passed on. Right. Through, through my children and so on. And then protective factors, right? So, so what supportive community factors do I have? What parenting, maybe parenting classes, you mentioned some of this. Do we have, we have all these classes to help, help us understand those behaviors. Right. Help us understand how to respond. Maybe look at how I respond, understand myself. Maybe some of those things we talked about in myself. So, so it's parenting classes, new parent support program. Yes. Is a, a huge piece of this. They're great for that newborn or actually pre-birth right, right exactly for the child up to that three-year-old age range and it doesn't mean they can't come in the home if you have older children in the home but right. that's the that's the ages they're going to work with you and by doing that there may be some some carryover some residual other, effects on other there, yeah. in the home as well but also classes with us um uh, as far as anger management, stress management for ourselves. Right. But also in some of those other parenting classes, what we call screen-free parenting. Right. Uh, uh, if, if you've gone through, going through separation, divorce, transparenting is another uh, big class that those who don't realize you have to take right. in Texas if you're going through this process. Uh, we offer it for free. You can come and you can learn how to communicate with that partner in a way that can be positive for your children. Right. Um, because uh, those are very stressful situations uh, to have to go through. Okay. So, so those are some of the things that come to mind right. in closing without going, uh, taking too much longer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but those are the things I think that we can do. Really, that misbehavior versus stress behavior is the first question I think stop and ask yourself. Right. And realize 
it's probably not misbehavior. It's probably stress, distress, something behavior. going on. Yeah. So how can I help? And then how can I address that their response is not okay right. later? And so with that being said, so like I said, this is um, April is the month of the military child mm-hmm. and it's also Child Abuse Awareness Month. So I know throughout the month, family advocacy will be doing different things, um, maybe having tables set up, information yes. tables set up and that type of thing. So they can actually just watch the Facebook, the family advocacy page, Facebook page yes, or um, the ACS Facebook page and find out what's going to be going on throughout the month of April for um, child abuse awareness, just to get that awareness out there. We'll have quite a few activities. The one big one I will put a plug in is April 30th. Okay. Uh, we will be uh, at Freedom Crossing. Okay. And I think in front of the Texas Roadhouse, we'll have a couple tables and some uh, giveaways and some information and, and just be out there for a couple hours, I think 10 to 12 that morning. Okay. So we're going to start plugging that now while we're talking. Yes, that's what, uh, yes. But definitely come out, see us, um, call Call us if you have questions about anything we talked about or like more information. Right. So, again, we're family advocacy. You know, like you said, it it often gets that stigma attached to it. But anybody, and I think most people would agree that take those classes, find out, you know what, I needed this. This is something that was really good and I didn't feel judged, Mm -hmm. you know, and and ended up with some good um, good skill sets and good tools that they can take moving forward. So... Yes. So thank you so much, Ronnie, for coming and visiting with us today. Very important subject, you know, and like I said, you have so much information. We probably could go on and on about it. But before we close, I do have a question. (laughs) I do have a question that I ask everyone before we um, close out. What is the one thing that brings you joy working here at in the Family Advocacy Program? Oh man, one thing. Just one. one. <laughs> I think. Um, I think you, you, you may have mentioned it there at the end. Uh-huh. It's it's seeing uh, those kind of aha, aha moments. I know I've had them, but seeing right. others kind of having go, oh um, yes, and, and see those things do do make a difference. If we can change one little thing, mm-hmm. that it will make our. And, Obviously, we're talking about kids here, the children here, but right. I think as parents, it'll make my life so much better or happier, or I can go, oh, I got it now, and maybe not feel as much pressure that maybe I'm doing something wrong. Most of us aren't. Right. Um, and when we, when we're hard and critical on ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the piece I probably get the most out of is sharing that information as people go, oh, so I'm... I, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. You're okay. You're okay. <laughs> right. Um, it's usually not as uh, as bad or doom and gloom as as maybe that word fat. When people talk about those things or scenarios, it's not um, as bad as that. Yeah. It's usually smaller things that we can help with, and and it it never gets to that part of it, and we don't have to feel that way because we realize that we're not the only ones feeling that way. Exactly. Uh, you're or, not alone. Whatever. Right? <laughs> Even us professionals have to take a step back, like I said, and and take and that breath and, yeah, and, realize and, that, and realize that, okay, I, I got this or, or, you know, or I can improve. Okay. Right. All right. I can do better. Thank you so much. That was awesome. So thank you for joining us again. If you all need imp- more information on anything that we talked about again, if, or if you suspect child abuse, of course, call the child abuse hotline numbers that we put up earlier or go online. And if you have any questions, just call family advocacy the number? 915 five, 56. Is it 568? 
Yes, 568-9129. Okay. So go. just give us a call at that and we'll be more than happy to help you out and get you the um, assistance that you need. Yes. So with that being said, this is Getting to Know ACS with Tracy. And Jasmine. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Bye. Bye.